continue our series called Puzzled, Putting Back Together the Pieces of Your Relationships. Today is week one of patience. Next week we'll talk about patience as well because we think we need a little more of it, all right? We'll be in Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. If you want to get there, we'll be there this morning together. Last week, Saturday, Lori had a little side gig and had to head up to Big Sky. She goes up to the club up there and uh, cleans the house, a little side money for us to have some fun with, some fun money. And so she headed out and before she headed out, she said, hey, you got the kids, you good? I'm like, I'm great, babe. I have got the kids. It's gonna be a daddy day. We're gonna have so much fun. And I thought, this is gonna be, it's gonna be easy, right? We're gonna... We're going to have a great morning. We're going to watch Saturday morning cartoons, right? We're, we're going to eat some Fruity Pebbles. I'm going to take them to the mall, let them play in the arcade for a while. Maybe we'll go to jump time. I'll wear them out a little bit. And then maybe we'll come home, play some Mario Kart. Who knows? It might be crazy, right? And then I'm going to wear them out so much that they crash and I have the house cleaned and the hot dinner on the table for my wife and the kids sleeping when they when she got home. That's, that's what I had in my head, okay? What I forgot about was that my son has basically spent 2026 so far. He got influenza coming into this brand new year. He dealt with that for a couple of weeks. Then he got a stomach bug, had things coming out of both ends. He was green. His head was turning around. And honestly, would have been easier to do an exorcism. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? (laughs) Because of that, we couldn't go and do all the fun things that I thought we were gonna be able to do. And so at about three o'clock last week, Saturday, things started to come unwound, okay? Like people started losing their minds, all right? There was, by, by the time it was all over, there was yelling and there was weeping and I'll let you decide who was yelling and who was weeping, but it's not who you think, okay? Okay? <laughs> And at the culmination of this, I sent a text to Lori, which should have just said help in caps, but instead, I just put something to the effect of, I'm a terrible father, okay? <laughs> May have been a little more raw than that, okay? But, but I just felt awful. I had, I had lost my patience, they had lost their patience, and Man, I, I wish I could say that that was a one-time deal, right? What I'd love to tell you about, and this is true, is that Friday night, my wife had to go out and have girls' night out, and I was a total rock star. Frozen 2, 
pizza movie night. We had so much fun. By the time she got home, everybody was sleeping, including me. It was awesome. And then yesterday, we went to the MSU girls basketball game. Shout out to the MSU girls. Go Cats, go. Uh, So Trish, Julian, Fallon, they clinched the Big Sky Conference Championship yesterday. So congratulations to them. They're all part of this family, and so we're excited for them. And we were there watching them cut the nets down, buying kids pretzels. It was Champ's birthday, and we ate birthday cake like dad of the year. I want to tell you about that, okay? (laughs) But tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up. And it's a school day. And we're going to try to wrangle the kids to eat some breakfast. Then we're going to try to get them to put on some sort of clothing, okay? Then we're going to try to get them to brush their teeth, find their boots, find their gloves, find their hat. Where's your coat? Why aren't you hurrying? Did you brush your teeth yet? I said to brush your teeth five times already. We got to get in the car. Your mom's got to go. You're going to be late. This is how it's going to go. I'm just telling you, okay? And I know that some of you are already judging me. Like, your organic, non-GMO, free-range child (laughs) is gonna cure cancer because they're listening to little Einsteins right now. I get it, I get it. And good for you. But for the rest of us, okay? The sermon's for the rest of us. The sermon is about patience in parenting. Patience in parenting. And I don't want you to turn me off uh, if you're like, already did it, got the badge, I'm done with that stage of life. I don't want you to turn me off if you're like, I'm not there yet. I don't want you to turn me off if you're like, see, I've heard too many of those stories and I never want to be there. I don't want you to turn me off, okay? I want you to lean in because I think we have something to learn this morning together. I think if you stick with me, there's something for everyone that will help us put back the pieces of our puzzled relationships together. All right? You with me? You stay with me? Okay. Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, this is the only thing we know about these middle age, middle, middle years for Jesus, these preteen years for Jesus. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, three days later, he comes back from the grave. Okay, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, teaching them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Jesus responds, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? 
but they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I pray that you would open all our eyes, whether we have kids or not, whether we plan to have kids, whether we've had kids in the past and now they're all grown. I pray, regardless of our situation, God, you'd help us put back the pieces of these relationships together, that you would lead us and guide us through your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question for you this morning. And you probably already heard it at some point in this building. And the question went something like this. How are you? Right? Like, how's it going? What's going on? And I want a raise of hands. How many of you said, I'm not busy? Anybody? Please, somebody. One of you, no? Okay. So nobody answered that way this morning. You answered this way this morning. You said, I'm not so busy. Okay. You, you come teach. Uh, I would like... I need your help, okay? So good, okay? Because the reality is, um, we've got a problem. We got a problem. And that problem is called busy. We answer this question often, how are you with the answer, man, I'm doing good, but I am so, so busy. In his book, called Crazy Busy. It's a good book. It's a mercifully short book about a really big problem by Kevin DeYoung. He notices this. He says, my life is crazy busy. I don't say that as a brag or a boast. I'm not trying to win a contest. I'm just stating the facts or at least describing the way my life feels almost every single day. I often made the quip, I'm supposed to write a book on busyness if I could only find the time. And I wasn't joking. How did I get this way? How did you get this way? How did we all get this way? I've yet to meet anyone in America who responds to this question, how are you, with the reply, well, for starters, I'm not very busy. I suppose there must be a six-year-old somewhere out there who doesn't have anything to do and some dear folks in the nursing home who could use a few more interruptions. But for almost everyone in between, there is a pervasive sense of being unrelentingly filled up and stressed out. He titles that chapter, Hello, My Name is Busy. See, I, I, there was this thought in my life when I was single and it was like, well, I'm not that busy, but it, when I look back on it, I was like, well, I was, I was in college and I was doing classes and, and doing some work on the side and I had some friendships and, and I actually started tabulating it all and realizing like when I was in high school and I was in college, I, I actually had quite a bit going on in my life. And, and then what, what happened after that is I met this this gal, and, and we got married, and my busyness and her busyness became our shared busyness. And then when we added a child and we added another child to our life, our busyness became their busyness, and their busyness became our busyness, and suddenly we just woke up, and life was busy. And I'm guessing for you, if I talk to you, and we talk for just a few minutes, whatever stage of life you're in, you could say, man, I got a lot going on. I am pretty busy. We're also in the age of technology, right? 
I purposefully didn't bring my phone up here because I'm distracted when it's on, the, on here. It, it starts buzzing and these things pop up and people want to talk to me and I get emails, right? We live in the age of technology. Average person looks at their phone 150 times per day. Some of you got that beat by a long shot, right? And it's always buzzing and you're always answering emails and you're always answering texts and you're checking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and you've got all of these things that are filling in all the margins of your time. Your life is full, your life is busy, your life is hectic, your life is frantic. So here's my observation and I think it creates the puzzle for us today. And the puzzle is this. Our crazy busy lives lead to an impatient pace of life. Our crazy busy lives, they don't lead us to patience. What they lead us to is an impatient pace of life. A better word might be a frantic pace, but it's certainly not a patient pace. And here's the good news for all of us in that boat. It wasn't any different before the cell phone, right? It wasn't any different than they were riding around on donkeys and camels because the story this morning shows us that some things, they never change. In fact, in the middle of this story, it talks about Mary and Joseph being frantic. So let's go back to the story. So Joseph and Mary, they take Jesus up to the Passover festival. This was usual. This was their thing. They traveled with all their family and friends, probably a pretty big entourage of people and they get done with the Passover and they're headed back to Nazareth. And you just like, I love picturing these moments, right? They're going along and they don't see him around, but they're probably thinking, oh, he's with family or with, he's with friends or he's with, he's with his crazy cousin, John. Like I know he hangs out with him a lot. So maybe he's somewhere with these folks. And so they're traveling together and then they get to the first night and Mary says uh, what a lot of wives say to their husbands is, hey, have you seen the kids lately? <clears throat> like, this is real, okay? This story is so real. <laughs> Mary says to Joseph, you see the kids? And Joseph's like, not today. <laughs> right? And, and it gets even better. You've got to see, like, if you think Jesus is just serious, come on now. You've got to read this story, right? They lost Jesus. Can we wrap our minds around this? Like you had one job. Angel shows up to you, says, son of God, pretty important. Don't lose him, right? <laughs> and they lose Jesus for three days, right? This is crazy. They've lost Jesus for three days. You can see the panic in Mary's eyes, Right? I mean, I mean, if you had lost your child for three days, even that time, even that culture, when they hung with their family and friends a little bit more, like you can see the panic in her eyes, can't you? Like you can see Joseph trying to figure this out. Where is he? Where was the last place we saw him? Let's retrace our tracks. Let's figure this out. Where could Jesus be? They frantically head back to Jerusalem because they've lost Jesus and they're trying to find him. And this is frantic and, and, and they're hurried and, and this pace of life, well, it just is hard and, and they got a lot going on and, and Joseph needs to get back because he's got his carpentry business. Can you, can you hear this? This is, this is our life too. And they find Jesus there sitting in the temple, answering them by saying, didn't you know that I needed to be in my father's 
house, which is super confusing to them. But, but here's the simple reality. We don't know if they lost him because they were too busy, but at the very least, we can say they were distracted. They weren't paying attention. They, the text says they assumed that he was with them. And I think that that's what it feels like in our crazy busy lives too, times too. We are distracted, we are impatient, we are frantic. We are crazy busy and that leads to an impatient pace of life. And so what's the solution to this impatience? Well, the answer, the answer is patience. The answer is Patience, And I want to just put together two pieces of the puzzle for you this morning. One specifically for parents, right? And then for one for everyone else. So first, the pieces for parents. Here's what, I, here's what I think we need to do, parents. I think we need to treasure and ponder. I think we need to treasure and ponder. So in the NLT, it says it like this. They they find Jesus, and Jesus comes with them. And then it says, his mother stored all these things in her heart. But if you grow up in the NIV translation, uh, it says something a little bit different. What it actually says is this. His mother treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. It's the same line that was used in the story of Luke when she is sitting there at the manger and and she is pondering and treasuring all that's happening with the angels and with the magi and everything that is surrounding the birth of this child. She's treasuring it and she's pondering it. Treasuring and pondering takes time. It takes patience. I think that we're so impatient, parents, that we don't often treasure and ponder the things that are happening right in front of us. I think we have this this myth of being the crazy, perfect parent, right? We look around on Facebook, we look on Instagram, we look at these parents and we think there's this myth out there, this myth of the perfect parent. Kevin DeYoung goes on. And he says this, parenting has become more complicated than it needs to be. Amen. It used to be, as far as I can tell, that Christian parents basically tried to feed their kids, clothe them, teach them about Jesus, and keep them away from explosives. (laughs) My parents did most of those. (laughs) Now our kids have to sleep on their backs. No, wait, their tummies. Nope, never mind, their backs. While listening to baby Mozart, surrounded by scenes of starry, starry night, they have to be in piano lessons before they're five, and they can't leave the car seat until they're about five foot six. (laughs) So good. It's all so involved. There's so many rules and expectations. Parenting may be the last bastion of legalism, not just in the church, but in our culture. We live in a permissive society that won't count any of your sins against you as an adult, but will count the calories in your kids' hot lunches. I keep hearing that kids aren't supposed to eat sugar anymore. What a world. What a world. My parents were solid as a rock, but we still had a cupboard populated with cereal royalty like Captain Crunch and Count Chocula. In our house, the pebbles were fruity and the charms were lucky. The breakfast bowl was a place for marshmallows, not dried camping fruit. (laughs) 
Our milk was 2%, and sometimes if we needed to take a little edge off the rough morning, we'd tempt our fate and chug a little vitamin D. As nanny parents living in a nanny state, we think of our children as amazingly fragile and entirely moldable. Both assumptions are mistaken. It's harder to ruin our kids than we think, and it's harder to stamp them for success than we think. Christian parents in particular often operate with an implicit determinism. We fear that a few wrong moves will ruin our children forever and at the same time assume that the right combination of protection and instruction will invariably produce godly children. Leslie Leland Fields is right. One of the most resilient and cherished myths of parenting is that parenting creates the child. Your kids are more resilient than you think. My kids are more resilient than we might think. And there's this myth that you need to become the perfect parent. And I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying that you should enga- shouldn't engage. Um, but what I am saying is, is that there's this myth of the perfect parent and we should live lives where we embrace the realness of being parents. Had a really great time spending uh, some time with um, the Yakos family. And they got to share a little bit of their parenting and their kids with us. So check this out. We're usually like the last people to leave places. (laughs) So you have to wait. (laughs) Which one of you is the most patient? Clive. Is Mama patient with you? No. Oh, yeah, no. she is, huh? Not always. Not always. A little bit of yelling involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of yelling. <laughs> <laughs> That's honest. <laughs> and I think when I lose patience is when I forget that the best way isn't just the way that I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And that seems so simple, but I think for every single one of them, they're kind of at the mercy of how David and I live life. And maybe one of them likes slow and at home and somebody else likes fast and out of the house and let's go and get stuff done. And Um, if you are, you know, having, not being able to communicate with somebody, your patience is gonna affect the other person. We feed each other's impatience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The gift of kids is that you're forced to go at a speed where God is able to communicate with you in a way that he doesn't when you're like getting it done. Having patience for somebody else is compassion. It's a way to give and receive love. Mm -hmm. Making a safe place to fail with the kids and not having some expectation of of everything just looking okay. Uh, Because I feel like that's a place where if we want the immediate just to always look like it's supposed to, and that's where we have the tendency to lose our patience. It helps believing that each other have the best interests in mind or in heart for each other. Um, even though our, uh, our pathways to get there may look a little bit different. There's sort of like that, that feeling of like, we want them just to make the right decision right now um, because their life's gonna be ruined if they don't. But realizing we're playing the long game um, is kind of where I think patience really comes out. We have to build a relationship that's going to last with them, and you know we kind of joke, but we're serious about we're raising you know men and women, not just kids. 
David was teaching Bella to ride the lawnmower at one point, and like kids <laughs> jerk, drive it. Or yeah, to drive the lawnmower. The riding tractor. They yeah. jerk the lawnmower to one side, they overcorrect, and they steer and. Um, the patience in parenting, if you're looking at the long game, like getting across a field, that it's small corrections over time, whereas my impatience is the overcorrection of like jerking the wheel too hard. And that actually we're supposed to do the gentle corrections over a long period of time. And like you're saying, the relationship is more important than the immediate. So I did a lot of apologizing early on and still do uh, for the inappropriate overcorrections. We're different parents than we were when we first started, for sure. Yeah. David and Carrie would say to us, they're not perfect parents. But I think what they said was very insightful. I think what they were saying was, slow down, parents. Slow down and treasure and ponder all that is happening. There's a door that goes from our kitchen into the TV room. It's two French doors and lots of glass, and there are fingerprints on it all the time. <laughs> which makes me pray more. <laughs> and, it, and it bugs me, but y- you know what? I will miss those fingerprints someday. Treasure and ponder your children. Treasure and ponder your children. Don't make them the center of your universe, but treasure them and ponder them and slow down. A couple tangible ideas for you parents. Three tangible thoughts for you um, that you can, you can implement this week. You can work on this week. One of them, I would say dinner devotions. This is old school. I'm going old school on you guys, okay? Dinner devotions. We had some folks over uh, recently, and they had dinner with us. We just kind of invited them in uh, to our family and into our time together. And we got to the end of the conversation. They were like, we've never, we've never seen people sit down and actually like do devotions. Like when we said, hey, grab the devotional, kids knew exactly what we were talking about. They went and got the Jesus Bible. They brought it over. They sat in our laps and we read the Jesus Bible. Now people get sent to time out during the Jesus Bible time all the time, okay? Right? <laughs> so don't, don't be thinking this is perfect parenting. But what I'm saying is, listen, if you could have one, one night a week where you would say, we're slowing down, we're gonna look each other in the eye. We're gonna, we're gonna put away our distractions. We're gonna focus on each other and we're gonna focus on Jesus. I think it would put the pieces of the puzzle back together for you. Here's another one. Uh, read and pray at bedtime. Read and pray at bedtime. This is something that we do every single night with our kids. We always read with them. And we always pray with them. That is just our habit. It's part of our culture. It's part of what we do every single night. And it will change your kid's life. It's that small correction over a long time. It's not hauling off and turning the tractor over. It's just driving it a little bit at a time. And then lastly, uh, prayer at the door. I think this is a fun one too. So uh, prayer at the door. We try to pray at the back door before uh, the kids are about to hop in the car. 
uh, as a family, we circle up, we hold hands, sometimes the dog's in the middle, most of the time we're not paying great attention, but honestly, we pray together as a family each and every morning, a blessing over the kids, a blessing over all that's going on throughout the day. It's little things, parents. It's little things, just, just those little moments of being present, those little moments of treasuring and pondering. And because Mary treasured and pondered, he grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with man. This is what I want for my kids, and this is what you should want for your kids, that they would grow in stature and in favor with God and with other people. And lastly, uh, for the rest of us, here's, here's what we're getting at. The pieces for everyone is be present. Be present. Patience is found in presence. Patience is found in presence. When someone isn't present with you, they can't be patient for you. When somebody is distracted and frantic, they bring that into your world and they create a frantic, distracted moment for you as well. And that is not the patience that we are looking for. The myth here isn't the myth of perfect parenting. The myth here is multitasking. It's the myth of multitasking. I'll let you Google this later, right? But like, there are so many scientific studies out there that would say you can't multitask. And I know that somebody's like, yeah, but I can, <laughs> right? There, it's just pure science. You cannot multitask. Your brain can only hold certain things at certain amounts of time. So what your brain actually does is it divides and conquers. So if you've got multiple things going on at the same time, it doesn't mean you can give 100% to this thought and 100% to this thought. What it means is it's given 50% to this thought and 50% to this thought. Does that make sense? The other thing that we think about multitasking is, oh, I'm multitasking. No, no, no. Some of you are just better at switching from one thing to the next, one thing to the next, one thing to the next. You give 100% here, and then you give 100% here, and then you give 100% here, and you give 100% here, which is actually, uh, you can do that, right? But the reality is you can't truly multitask. And in our society, we have this myth that you can multitask. And I would say to you, no, you cannot, and it's hurting you, and it's hurting your relationships. The people in your life don't want you to do more for them, they want you to be present to them. Let me say that again. The people in your life don't want you to do more for them, they want you to be present to them. In your marriages, be present to one another. In your work situations, be present to one another. With your roommates, be present to one another. The greatest gift that you can give to someone is your presence, being fully present, fully attentive to who they are. I love being with present people. And man, I'll be honest with you, distracted people drive me crazy, right? Like, you've been in a conversation where somebody goes like this, and they pull out their phone in the middle of a conversation, you're having a really hard conversation with somebody, and they pull out their phone, and they start texting in the middle of the conversation. Guess what? They aren't present to you. Like, you can tell me, oh, I'm, I can do that, I can do that. You can't do that. The science says you can't do that. You can either be present to this person, 
Or you can be 100% present and then you gotta move to this and then you gotta move back and then you gotta move this and then you gotta move back. Or you're giving 50% to them and you're giving 50% to this person and you're not giving anybody 100%. Be present with one another. Your friends want you to be present. Your spouses want you to be present. Your coworkers want you to be present. Every relationship in your life would benefit from you being more present. So here's my puzzled next step. Take some time to be present to a relationship this week. Take some time to be present to a relationship this week. I want you to think hard about how you could possibly do this. How can you be present in your marriage? How can you be present at work? How can you be present with your roommates? How can you be present with your kids? How can you practice presence? And I wanna go further with that. There's a tangible moment to be present this week. And it's in this room and I just wanna highlight it, okay? So Ash Wednesday celebrates the 40 days leading us up to Holy Week where we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, his death, and his resurrection on Easter. And Ash Wednesday helps us set aside time to be present to God and to be present to what he has done for us. And one of the most tangible things that you could do this week is to come here, we'll have it set up, quiet, some music, there'll be some candles, some reflective uh, time here all day long on Wednesday. And you can come here and you can be attentive and you can be present to the most important relationship. If you are present to God, that will lead to presence in all of your relationships. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're present to us, that you, that you know us by name. You're so present to us that you know if even a hair falls from our head. You were present when you shaped us and when you formed us in our mother's womb. You are present for us in the highs of life and you are present for us in the lows of life. You never leave us, never forsake us. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are a God who is with us, a God who reminds us that we are yours. Help us to declare this and live into this. This week, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net. Thanks.